what is it about being behind this screen or on this screen that changes the way that we view the people on the other side of the screen, that makes us feel like we can say whatever we want, that seems to encourage us to share information that is either hurtful, untrue, or maybe starts unnecessary conflict. The words that we type out on our keyboard or on our screen are just as impactful, if not more so, than our spoken words, and yet we use them to disrespect people online. Today we're going to talk about what Jesus has to say about all of our words, whether they're in person or online, and how those words will impact our future. With technology now, we can all easily communicate with a hundred or more people within a few hours. Uh, previously, communicating with a hundred or more people would have required a hundred or more phone calls, right? And, and likely many more calls because you might get an answering machine or maybe just no answer. And before that, you would have had to mail or physically visit a hundred people to communicate with a hundred people. However, there have been platforms to get a message out to the masses, like radio and newspapers, but those platforms were not available to the masses. And now we have platforms that can reach the masses and are available to the masses. Now, we won't go into this further right now, but in some ways, the increased opportunities for freedom of speech have removed or changed some of the built-in safety or preventative measures or guardrails in our relationships. And, and to that point, Sophocles, a, great, a Greek playwright, said this, nothing vast enters the life of mortals without a curse. That technology, really any technological advancement from cars to the industrial evolution to the internet can bring improvements to our lives, but they can also bring the potential to negatively impact our lives. Car accidents, pollution, materialism, and all the potential pitfalls of the internet, including, but not limited to the negative impact on our relationships. And this quote from Sophocles can be helpful because most of us haven't really weighed the implications of technology in our lives or with those that we're in relationships with, whether face-to-face -face or online. And we really should weigh those implications. Uh, I remember when I was about to get my first smartphone uh, about 10 years ago, uh, I was about to make this decision to get this phone. I don't know if anyone knows what kind of phone this is. If you wanna put your answer in the chat, you're welcome to take a guess. As I was deciding to get this smartphone, I remember feeling sort of a weight to this decision, which in some respects, it really seemed kind of unnecessary and silly, but I felt the heaviness. And while I didn't truly understand the implications of this device, I don't really know how I knew, but I knew that in some ways, this was going to change my life. I actually remember praying and asking God to help me, that if I get this smartphone, that he would help me to use it wisely and not let it control me. Now, by the way, this smartphone is a BlackBerry Curve, if you didn't know, so kudos to you if you got that right. Uh, but this quote from Sophocles is not just true of technology, but this is true of every societal advancement. Every advancement has brought a lot of good, but also a curse, as Sophocles says. Uh, another example of this is the interstate highway system. Uh, you think about I-280, 680, A-80, I-5. This system that was developed in the 1950s has clearly made travel so much easier for many of us. But there are also some inherent implications, some obvious and some not so obvious from that system. Uh, another powerful quote about the implications of our use of technology, uh, particularly around social media, comes from a controversial documentary from Netflix called The Social Dilemma. It says this, social media is a drug. The technology that connects us also controls us. And the truth is really that anything can become a drug or become addictive, especially when we use anything, and I mean anything, to distract us from having to deal with how difficult and challenging life can be. With social media and other technology, there can be sort of destructive aspects that might be less obvious to us. 
And because of that destructive potential of our social media and really any technology that we use, we can probably all agree that we need some guidelines or some rules, some guidelines around how we will use technology, but even more maybe commitments about how we will use these platforms. So in this series, we have discussed these commitments to help us avoid destruction in ourselves and also in our relationships online. Commitment number one is this, I will treat every person as someone Jesus died for because they are and he did. Commitment number two is I will do all I can do to keep peace with all people. Obviously, Jesus never spoke specifically about social media and and none of us should trust anyone who says that he did. But there are some timeless principles and teachings from Jesus about how important and how much impact our words can have, whether online or face-to-face. We're going to look at one of those timeless principles today. I also want to thank Buckhead Church for, for much of the ideas behind this series. In Matthew's account of Jesus' life, Matthew sort of gives us this moment where Jesus speaks specifically to the connection between the state of our hearts and the actions that happen because of the state of our hearts that those two are very connected, as we'll see in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Uh, You can follow along in the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, head to bible.com slash app. Once you're in the app, head to the more menu option in the bottom right corner, select events, and you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 12, beginning verse 33. And on this particular day that Matthew records for us, like most of Jesus' days, there was a large crowd gathered around him. And in the crowd, there were at least three different types of people. The first group was sort of his disciples, the closest followers of his. Uh, The next group was sort of the undecided voters. Uh, They were still sort of figuring out what they believed about Jesus. And the last group was called the Pharisees. Uh, And these were the Jewish teachers and religious leaders who were constantly trying to catch Jesus in lies or, or situations that could disprove Jesus was the savior of the world. And this third group of people, the Pharisees, bring a man to Jesus who was blind and also mute. And the Pharisees had diagnosed this man that he was sort of possessed by demons. So Jesus heals this man by commanding the demons to leave. And the demons leave, and all of a sudden, this man's sight and speech were back. It was a miracle. But these Pharisees who were there were trying to trick and trap Jesus and let the crowd know that Jesus was not who he says he was. For them, this was not going well, right? And they were starting to wonder, like, what should we say? What is our strategy now? And then one of the Pharisees thinks, Well, maybe we can convince everyone that the only reason he can do this is because he is filled with demons. Uh, Let me translate this into sort of a modern situation that maybe you've heard about. Uh, I disagree with this person's online post, or I don't like what this person is saying, so I'm going to comment with something that might or might not be true, but I'm going to say it anyhow. Sound familiar to any of you? Have you done anything like that? Now, since Jesus knew their thoughts, he looks at them and says several different things, including what we find in Matthew chapter 12, starting verse 33. He says this, A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. And we sort of have two different aspects in this conversation that relate to our relationships online. Number one, the fruit, uh, the things that we type, we say, we comment, scheme, post, message, etc. And then the second is the tree, the, the place that the fruit comes from. And in this conversation, the Pharisees' words and schemes are the fruit, and their hearts are the tree. And this is going to be important because Jesus is letting us know that these two aspects of life are connected. They're not disconnected from each other. That the outside, what you see, is quite connected to what is on the inside of us. If the inside is bad, even though things on the outside might look good, eventually the bad on the inside will come out of you. 
And if the outside is bad, then there's something bad on the inside probably as well. And when people experience you, they're getting an outside version. But if they were around you long enough, they would know what is on the inside of you. And Jesus continues, You brood of snakes, how can evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And Jesus is saying that there is something wrong with your heart, something wrong on the inside of you, that all of our words, both spoken and typed out, are a reflection of what is going on inside of us. And when you and I say, well, I didn't mean to say that, what we really mean is, I didn't mean for that to come out of me. That your words tell others what is actually in your heart, which sounds serious, because it is serious. This goes beyond our actual words to include the tone, the way that we use the words, the harshness, the gentleness, the sarcasm, the edge to your words. That Jesus is trying to sound the alarm that, that when you hear or say these words, what's most important in that moment is what is going on inside to cause this overflow to happen. And in our day and age, this isn't just what is said in person, but also includes what is said online and social media, in that email or in that text message. Not only does your heart determine what you say, your heart determines what your fingers type. Jesus continues, verse 35. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And this treasury is basically the storage room in your heart, what has been stored up in your heart, that good things are produced from what is stored up in a good heart, and bad or evil things are produced from what is stored up in a bad or evil heart. And this is simply inputs and outputs, uh, which leads to storing up emotions and feelings inside of us. But they don't just stay there. That when you allow anger into your heart and you let it sit there, eventually is going to come out of you. When you allow resentment, when you allow a lack of forgiveness to lie dormant in your life, eventually it is going to come out of you. That you have experienced this from people, I imagine, right? Sort of seeing a, uh, someone give a huge response to something that really sort of seemed like a small incident. You've probably reacted in a big way to something that really wasn't a big deal at all. You've probably blown up and got angry with someone that surprised both you and the other person. Uh, Clay Scroggins, a pastor in Atlanta, describes it this way. You need to pay attention to whatever is under the hood that is that close to the surface that could come out that quickly. You've probably been there like that. Uh, you see a post that is sort of dramatic and filled with language and anger and frustration, and you can guess that there's probably a lot stored up on the inside of that person, that the emotion is coming from somewhere, right? But however that emotion got there, Jesus says, we are accountable for how it comes out. Verse 36, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. And this is a bit scary and, and causes us to sort of sit up a bit. Another translation says it this way, the NIV says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Now, this might be one of the verses that we should all sort of keep in mind when we're online, right? Our kids should memorize this after us parents memorize and model it first, right? That Jesus tells us that we will be held accountable for all of our words that we use, whether they're in person or through technology. And this is actually one of the big dangers of technology. We somehow think that we're not accountable for our words online. We somehow believe the lie that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, no, actually the opposite. When you post something online, when you text something, when you email it, we are actually more accountable in our relationships because now there's a digital trail. That when you have face-to-face -face conversations with someone, we don't always remember the conversation accurately, but there are social repercussions, right? However, online, we just don't feel those repercussions in the same way.
And what Jesus seems to be saying is that we are all responsible for all of our actions and all of our words, that we will be held accountable for them on this judgment day. Now, now what does this judgment day mean? Well, a lot of different people think it means a lot of different things. And this isn't the first or even the last time that Jesus will talk about this judgment day. He talks about it several times, and so do the rest of the authors of the New Testament. They refer to a time of reckoning where we will all be held accountable for our actions and our words. Now, I'm not sure what you think about having a judge. Uh, I'm not sure what you think about God being the judge. Uh, A lot of people are really bothered by that idea. But two things about that. Number one, we all want to judge at some point in our life. And and this is complicated because most of us deny that. I I don't want to judge. I just want to sort of live my life the way that I want to. But every one of us will bump into a moment in life where something happens and we want someone outside of us to look at the situation and say, that shouldn't happen. I've experienced this with my kids at school. Uh, One of them got into a rather serious incident with another child. Uh, When we found out about it, you better believe I wanted someone at that school to look at that situation and say, that shouldn't happen. I I wanted a judge. And so many of you have probably experienced horrible situations yourself. You hoped someone was watching and could make the wrongs right. That, That someone was going to hold those people accountable. So when it comes to this idea of a judge and being held accountable, we really all want a judge at some point. And number two, this judge is not us. Uh, This judge is not you. This judge is not me. And this is an important thing in this digital world where everyone can share an opinion about something. What would you do differently if you actually had to give an account for your online activity? Maybe you don't necessarily believe that God is the judge or that you don't necessarily know about if God's really even God. But what if you actually did have to give an account for your online activity? What would you do differently? Jesus continues, verse 37, The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. That we will be judged and our words and our actions are building the case either for us or against us. And we're responsible for our words and actions which will acquit or condemn us on this day of judgment. James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, says this, Every word I use is a vote for the kind of person I want to become. Now, if you're like me, as I started to read that quote, I assumed that it was going to say, every word I use is a vote for who I am supporting or agreeing with. And while that can be true, what James Clear actually says is more powerful. That every word I use is a vote for the kind of person I want to become. And this is why I need guidelines. This is why we need guidelines in our relationships in person and online. So here it is, commitment number three. I will treat you with respect, whether I'm with you or not. Again, this is where the teachings of Jesus and the writers of the scriptures are so powerful. This addresses so many ancient problems as well as their modern forms. Traditional gossip with ladies or guys at a coffee shop or in the kitchen. Uh, But also speaking bad about people in the comment sections, blogs, group chats, etc. Traditional bullying and mistreatment of people. But also cyberbullying, other kids, students, or adults or using words online that devalue others, uh, traditional lies and misinformation, but also sharing information online that confirms your bias, but that you have not verified as true or accurate because you just want to get someone on your side. Maybe traditional disagreements and conversations in person, but also disagreements on Facebook or Slack. That if we will make this commitment and follow it online and in person, we will have better relationships. I will treat you with respect whether I'm with you or not. Now, this next statement isn't really a commitment because it will happen whether or not you commit to it. 
this next statement is an important observation to remember, and it really goes with commitment number three. This observation to remember is, I will be held accountable for my words and actions. A pastor in Tulsa, Jasmine C. Geiger, says this, Social media has made us admired by many, but accountable to no one. This year, seek accountability. So while you really can't do anything about God holding you accountable at some point in the future for your actions and words, what you can do is seek accountability from others right now. So how can you seek accountability? Well, number one, give permission for one or two online friends to hold you accountable. Uh, Two things about that. You have to actually give them permission because at this point in our social media history, some people are looking to do this, but most of us are not looking for more conflict online. Secondly, you have to give permission to friends who are actually online, at least occasionally. Uh, You can't just choose friends who aren't online often and won't see your online activity. Uh, Secondly, you can be online less, and we probably all should follow that, right? But number three, subscribe to screen accountability. Now, this is connected, but also a completely separate topic that hopefully we'll discuss at some point in the future. But in a church of any size, there's a high probability that at least several people right now are struggling with pornography. And if that is you, you don't need me to tell you that you will be held accountable for your online actions because you probably already feel shame about it. However, being accountable doesn't just have to be for some future judgment day. You can be finding accountability right now to help you right now. Will it be inconvenient? Yes. Will it cost you something? Yes. Will you initially want to have accountability? No, absolutely not. But do you know that you need some accountability to help you? Yes, you do. And we're going to talk about this again at some point, but here are three options for screen accountability. Covenant Eyes, uh, Breathe by Custodio, Custodio, uh, X3 Watch. Um, Also a great educational and awareness website is fightingthenewdrug.org. We're going to put those links in the chat and in the comments section. Now, I know this got heavy quickly, but I also know that most of us already knew that, that that I will be held accountable for my words and my actions. Uh, Most of you already knew that, but we don't always live like we knew that, right? Uh, You probably need this reminder. I definitely need this reminder. And the good news is that if we commit to this third commitment that I will treat you with respect, whether I'm with you or not, then we will be taking a giant step towards having no problem being held accountable in the future. However, the even better news is that Jesus is here to help us. He not only modeled this commitment, but he also can give us the Holy Spirit, the power and the help that we need to actually live this way. So as we wrap up our time together today, can you imagine for a moment a digital and a physical world where we were guided by this commitment that I will treat you with respect whether I'm with you or not? Can you imagine a world like that? Can you imagine a digital and a physical world where where we weren't lying to ourselves, but where we were guided by the observation that I will be held accountable for my words and my actions? Uh, Imagine the way that this would change your family, maybe your extended family gatherings, uh, once we can do those things again. Imagine how this would lower the temperature of conversations online. Imagine how we would be able to get along so much better if we followed this commitment. It might not change the other person, but imagine the way that it would change your experience if you followed this commitment and remembered this observation. Imagine the next time that you're sitting behind a screen or sitting behind a computer like this and you're thinking about firing off that email or thinking about educating someone about that thing, uh, sharing about something that, that you're upset with or you disagree with. 
What if you remembered this and decided to treat this person with respect, even though you can't see the person right now? You might still send the email and share the thing, but you're going to do it in a respectful way, knowing that you will be accountable for your words, that the words that you use and how you act. That these commitments have the potential to change our relationships. But even if they don't, these commitments have the potential to change us. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus and the, the timeless principles that he taught us that cover so many things, but they definitely cover our relationships. And they also cover our relationships online. And for so many of us, we don't always think about how we are going to treat the other person. We don't, we don't think about how we're going to treat the other person if we're not with them. And we might face-to-face -face be nice, but then behind their back or online or in the comment section or in the group chat later, we talk about them in just a disrespectful way. And there's something probably inside of our hearts that's leading us to that. So God, would you help us to deal with that? Would you examine our hearts and help us to let you examine our hearts? That we would let you change us and make us into the person you want us to be. And God, we really come to you asking for help that we, we sort of know in some way that we're going to be held accountable. Or we know that there's servers out there that are recording this or our, our history and our, our browser usage. But God, we ask that you would help us right now, that you would give us the help that we need, that you'd help us to seek accountability with others to get the help that we need, that you'd put people on our path that could really be a resource to us. God, would you help us to keep these commitments in mind, that our relationships online, as well as our relationships in person, would honor you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.